0: Listening to How You Do in Bay County, a Mental Health Matters podcast with a local twist. Hey there, how you doing Bay County? I'm Kelly Mustaine, the Executive Director of Alignment Bay County, also known as ABC. And co-hosting with me today is Susan Gage, Executive Director of the Early Learning Coalition of Northwest Florida.
1: How you doing, Susan? I am doing pretty swell, except for it's a little chilly outside for an April morning. It is chilly yeah. and windy. Yeah. yeah, I'm in sandals and my toes are cold. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not Florida weird. weather. Yeah, no. no, no, definitely
0: not Florida. We're very thankful that Susan could be here with us today. Um, before we begin with today's guest, we wanted to share a little about our organization and the purpose of this podcast. How You Do in Bay County is an initiative by Alignment Bay County, which is a local, nonprofit, collective impact organization. We're focused on youth success from cradle to career, and one way we do that is by supporting families and our community as a whole. It's no secret that things have been difficult and challenging here in Bay County. ABC, along with our partner organizations, noticed that both children and adults in our area were struggling with their mental health and positive well-being. We also noticed folks simply asking each other, how you doing? That question, along with the stress of the last few years, inspired us to create a local mental health resource. First, a website, howyoudoing.org, which has a local behavioral health directory, as well as other resources, and this podcast, How You Doing, Bay County. Our goal is to make finding behavioral health resources easier for our community and bring awareness that your mental health matters. On today's episode, we're welcoming Nikki Dickens and Dakota Jenikowski from the Early Childhood Autism Program at FSU PC, also known as ECAP. Hey there, guys. How you doing today?
2: We're doing well. Speaking of the weather, have you noticed that uh, people are already bringing their parkas today? Yeah. So, well, in Florida, you know, when it gets still, you know, below like 80 degrees, 75 yeah. degrees, everyone yeah. brings out their nice little. Oh, okay. You okay, know,
1: I get you now. Down yeah. jacket, yeah. coats I, and stuff like that. I walked out. I actually yeah. live in Chipley a little bit, you know, about 45 miles north. So it's about three degrees colder up oh, yeah? there, right? Yeah, I was contemplating, oh. going home, sweater, all that kind of stuff. Just tucked it away, though. You know, it's Easter. It's time for nice well, warm weather. Well, by stuff. the time
2: you hit, like, the afternoon, you know, it's swim trunk weather. Absolutely. It's like morning, down coat, afternoon, swim trunks.
0: Well, give it another couple of weeks, and we'll be sweating through our clothes again. Yeah. So it's it's coming for us. Well, thank you, Al, for being here today. We typically discuss mental health resources here on How You Doing, but we wanted to be clear that autism is not a mental health disorder. It is considered a developmental disability. But when a child is diagnosed, it can be hard on the whole family dynamic. So parents having support from organizations like ECAP helps them from going this path alone. Can you all share a little bit about your background and how you started at ECAP?
3: Oh, yeah. I, um, obviously, Dakota is from up north, so uh, <laughs> he likes to talk about the weather and how we react when it's a little colder out. Um, I'm from outside Tallahassee, and so I really got into ECAF and autism and a behavior analysis by accident, uh, which is pretty common in, in our field. We kind of just stumble upon it. Um, I uh, was actually a music major and hmm. decided, you know, I don't think I can just do music. So right. um, as a performance type of career, especially in this area. So I uh, actually took a couple classes and Saw a, an FSUPC recruiter and, and learned a little bit about behavior analysis and then got into the field, mm-hmm. um, came to FSUPC and completed the training that we have um, at the predecessor of ECAP and then um, left FSUPC for about a decade and was recruited back. So mm-hmm. it's kind of nice to come back. And well, welcome back. And, yeah. yeah I'm glad right? you're here. I love Panama yeah, yeah, City, absolutely. obviously. Absolutely. So I
0: relocated back. Yeah. And New Dakota?
2: Yeah, uh, similar to Nikki, I fell into it by accident for the most part. Yeah, I graduated in 2016, so I I, I went into FSU. I knew I wanted to be a psych major of some Mm -hmm. sort, but not really knowing kind of what you wanted to do within the psych field, um, just with how expansive it is. I actually took a class called Special Topics in Psychology at Florida State, Mm -hmm. and it was really cool. It was all about applied behavior analysis and kind of controlling you know, people's behavior with the environment. Like, why do people behave? It's because of some sort of external influence. And that whole idea kind of led me down the road of ABA. I volunteered at ECAP as a dire, uh, DIS student, direct individual study. And that's essentially like a volunteer mm-hmm. uh, on campus. And I got some experience that way, became an RBT, a registered behavior technician, an individual who actually works with the kids, got some experience there, mm-hmm. Got into the Florida State University program in applied behavior analysis. And, uh, the rest is kind of history, yeah. uh, which is um, really cool.
0: Okay. Um, so we wanted to point out that Dakota is the clinical coordinator over at ECAP, and then Nikki is the director. So we're very thankful they're here today. He
3: had a great special topics instructor, like a faculty, that inspired him. Oh,
0: was that you? It was. <laughs> <laughs> See how so, I piece that together? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It, it, he had a knack for it from the beginning. Oh, so it's it. nice Wonderful. to
3: have it come full circle and him join me as clinical
0: coordinator. Oh, great. Well, I know we are very lucky to have your program in our area, That it's it's the only ABA facility, right? For our area,
3: there are some other FSU PC graduates of the ABA program that have some facilities here. I know that we, um, as an ABA community overall, took a hit with Hurricane Mm -hmm. Michael, Mm -hmm. Um, but ECAP is a little unique because it's the only nonprofit um, ECAP ABA facility in the area. Mm -hmm. So.
1: And, Kelly, I know you're right. I mean, you think of these kinds of programs in larger metropolitan areas, and then to realize that it's here in Panama City and you, you cover the surrounding counties as well is just amazing. Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: Can you elaborate a little bit more on what ABA is and what it stands for? Yeah, it's
3: Applied Behavior Analysis. Um, it falls under a wider just behavior analysis or the experimental treatment of behavior. Um, it, is a, it was in the past sort of a, a subfield of psychology Um, It's come more uh, into its own in at least the last 15 years. And we don't always just work with individuals with autism. Um, We work in a lot of different varieties. Like we work in schools, we do school consultation, we work in um, nursing homes with the geriatric uh, population. Uh, It's just we work in sports medicine, we work in mental health, we work in homeland security. So there's a lot of different things that a behavior analyst can do. One Mm -hmm. of the Um, areas that's sort of growing right now is what's called organization behavior management Um, and so that's really where we use the science of behavior to make the workplace more efficient safer and obviously um, you know in terms of the bottom line uh, increasing overall revenue and profit so that's something that's also you know gaining a little bit of steam here lately.
1: And I'm wondering, you know, with more people going back to the workplace, if there's an increased need for attention to those types of topics. Oh, absolutely, yeah. um,
3: especially with you know mental health mm-hmm. and making sure that individuals. A lot of things about mental health um, they don't really align with behavior analysis mm-hmm. with if you ask someone on the street. But mm-hmm. um, we we have we did get our start in mental illness and developmental disabilities. So, oh, especially here in Florida. Yeah.
0: So with ABA, are you are like then like certified? in And yeah, ABA? we can
3: certify. Um, and a registered behavior technician can certify at the high school level. So with a high school diploma, they can get into the field. They've also been known as like behavior therapists, behavior tutors, direct line therapists. And they work very closely with a behavior analyst that can be either certified at the bachelor's level um, as a board certified assistant behavior analyst or at the master's or doctorate level as a board certified
0: behavior analyst. So. so what sort of techniques would a therapist like that or a... a the technique is is, I guess it's really
3: made to be embedded within an individual's environment. So we want the kids to learn to learn things. We want them to learn skills um, and acquire ways to sort of navigate the natural environment. We're going to use that to teach them and to motivate them. A lot of what we work on is communication. If you can communicate, you don't have to sort of resort to using. Um, a maladaptive behavior or aggression or self-injury, and you're really not frustrated when you can communicate your wants and needs, and so that's really what we, um, you know, specifically Dakota specializes in, in terms of um, creating verbal behavior and getting the child um, accustomed
1: to the back and forth that is language training. I'm wondering, Dakota, when you're working with children, um, you know, my my area is early learning, so I've got, you know, birth to to five year olds. Oh, excuse me. And do you guys go into the classroom or into the childcare classroom to work with the children, or do they come out and, and visit you guys at your facility?
2: So the way ECAP works is that we're primarily in clinic. We do do some in-home sessions prior to COVID and Hurricane Michael and stuff like that. We were doing a lot more in-home sessions, but mm-hmm. it's kind of just logistically with students and stuff. It's kind of difficult to get them out mm-hmm. in the in the home sessions. Um But we are primarily in the clinic. So parents would bring the client or bring their kiddo to Mm -hmm. ECAP. And we'll do like, depending on the kid, we have some kids that are there for eight hours a day. We have some kids that are there for two hours a day, uh, maybe two hours a day, three days a week, depending on what the severity level is Mm -hmm. i primarily say if the kid's relatively verbal they're able to talk they're able to use some sort of picture communication or sign language fewer hours because the main thing with behavior analysis in my opinion is uh teaching some sort of verbal behavior Mm -hmm. so much of the uh we call it problem behavior some of the behavior you associate with kids with asd um whether that's screaming or aggression self-injurious behavior those types of things are generally because they don't have an outlet for uh some of the internal feelings that they're, uh, experiencing. So whether they're, if they're in pain, let's say they have a headache, for example, they're going to engage in self-injurious behavior, uh, head hitting, head banging, um, something along those lines. It's our job to kind of give that an outlet. Like, Hey, my head hurts. Can I have some medicine? Uh, something, whether it's a sign, a super simple sign that parents would know or picture exchange or a super easy verbal, like vocal response, like meds or head, um, something along those lines, just to give an outlet. I like to say behavior uh, in particular is like a rushing water and it's not our job to completely stop it up. Like mm-hmm. the, you can't just stop up behavior. Mm-hmm. Like you can't just punish behavior to the point where it doesn't exist. Right. You have to give it an appropriate outlet because it's going to break eventually. Mm-hmm. So instead of that prob behavior, that maladaptive behavior that you see, give it a more appropriate outlet in the terms of verbal behavior. Mm-hmm. So yeah,
1: just
3: direct it in the more appropriate means of attaining the same payoff.
1: Mm-hmm. So I, you know one of the things I'm curious about is what does what does your clinic look like? What would I expect to see if I was bringing my child
2: in? Yeah, and uh, you'll walk in. Uh, we are primarily we are a nonprofit, so we are primarily funded by the community mm-hmm. and uh, by the insurances. Uh, so you walk in, we have this awesome center, uh, the parent resource center. Uh, we do a lot of parent trainings there. We have a lot of resources for parents so mm-hmm. if if you want any information regarding um, autism, or developmental disabilities in any way whatsoever. Uh, we have uh, resources, papers. I know that there's uh, this thing going on called the Miracle League right now, mm-hmm. um, which is really cool that a lot of our parents are in. Um, the parents meet there. They have the uh, – they have, like there's a Facebook group for parents. I can't remember exactly what it's called, but it's complete parent run. But they'll meet in the PRC sometimes and do, like, these little meetups and mm-hmm. just – S- sometimes parents can feel kind of alone right, um, right. when you're, when you have a kid with ASD. Yeah. So it allows them kind of vent talk, um, kind of express themselves that as a, as adults support. Yeah. yeah that yeah. You just give them that support. Um, so you walk in then there, well, we originally started in uh, a single therapy room, mm-hmm. uh, it was the Camille Butchkis Autism Clinic. Very small room in the very back. We've slowly migrated down the hallway, mm-hmm. um, is what we say. So we have one, two, three, four, five therapy rooms that we have. Um, nice. uh, we have a social group room where we kind of mock uh, like a classroom situation. Mm-hmm. We have a mock uh, – we're trying to do a mock apartment situation for kids to wow. teach them some adaptive living skills, making the bed, mm-hmm. doing the dishes, doing the dishes. Just various stuff like that. Those uh, important things. Dishwasher. For, yeah. Stuff that you, you know, yeah. we kinda take for granted sometimes. Yeah. It's like, hey, you wake up in the morning, you make your bed. Sometimes hey, you know <laughs> uh, my wife tells me to make my bed, but I make it eventually. <laughs> but those types of things where you kind of take it for granted and you don't realize how tough it is as a skill um until you actually break it down. And you're like, hey, you have to remove the sheets, put the sheets back on, put the mm-hmm. pillows back on. Like mm-hmm. it's a it's more of a complex task than you think. Mm-hmm. And it's like teach it's teaching it every day kind of puts things into perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, regarding stuff, um, but we have that uh, the social group room. We uh, we actually just recently, since uh, Hurricane Michael and COVID happened, we got these uh, three rooms that allow us to do functional assessments, which are essentially a one way mirror. We can observe the kid. They're super uh, cool because they're uh, soundproof and they're kind of just uh, just a neutral room for the kid to hang out in. And if we do need to conduct some sort of assessment, it's a lot of it, it gives us that opportunity to really drill down to what the the function of any behaviors they have are.
3: Nice. Yeah. It's a nice mix between individual yeah. rooms and then larger rooms mm-hmm. where there are multiple children in the same room. Because if you think about it, if we're always only in a room and it's an individual room with our therapist, mm-hmm. then it's sometimes hard to ignore, you know, uh, sounds from other kids. And so we do try to blend in and as well as meet the needs of that individual. So
0: it's it a It sounds good like an impressive facility over there. Um, so your early childhood, what age groups do you normally... Are you mainly focused on most of your kids? You know,
3: I being in the behavior analysis um, or the behavior analytic community, I should say, um, you talk to other providers, and I know there are some facilities that where they cut off, you know, services at age twelve or thirteen, mm-hmm. and really and truly, um, you know, there's a lot of research out there. Um, specifically, um, there's an article called "ABA Across the Lifespan" by Gina Green and. It talks a lot about how ABA sometimes, and we've seen this in our own clients, but, you know, our age range is anywhere from two to late 20s. Um, And that's because sometimes we have a client that stays overall in terms of, you know, the span of what they need Mm -hmm. is very much close together in time. And then we've had individuals actually discharge or what we like to say graduate mm-hmm. and they come back for you know uh, six months mm-hmm. they come back for some booster trainings with parents mm-hmm. um and that's a great thing also about ecap is that we do incorporate the parents from day one yes. it's very much a take-home therapy mm-hmm. it's very much a homework kind of thing mm-hmm. um and so we do want to train them to do the exact same procedures that we are doing because they can continue that at home
1: yeah. so oh, go ahead i was just gonna say i just think it's really great that it, recognizing that it's a family process you, it you're is not, it's um, just not a magic wand and that you can do you know your
3: early learning coalition we're actually a provider mm-hmm. um, an mm-hmm. SIS provider and so yes. we've had some individuals who are um, preschool or at preschool age mm-hmm. I believe it's still called preschool or mm-hmm. pre-kindergarten
1: Pre-K. yeah
3: mm-hmm. um, and so the VPK um, bring their waiver and use that to start you know and we've also um, been able to pair them up with some scholarship funding and a lot of that wouldn't be It wouldn't be possible at all had FSUPC not given us a home in 2012. Right. You know, we were able to bring kids into a more stable environment. Because if you think about it, I have a tutor in my house um, once a week, really because after, you know, all day long I'm done with trying to work with kids one-on-one. And Mm -hmm. sometimes it's good to get an outside perspective. Mm -hmm. And I just know how distracting it is. Like my dogs are jumping on or my older child wants to heat something up in the microwave. And Mm -hmm. so, again, we did recognize the need to have, you know, more of a neutral learning Mm-hmm. platform and that's what the clinic provides us so Wonderful. if that answers your question yeah, we do that, serve up yeah. to age 20, 20 you know late 20s and and you know um obviously it's not the intensive amount of time that we see our our early kids get you know it probably isn't 10 hours a week it may be more like four hours a week mm-hmm. and there's been times where we just do a one hour check-in uh every other week just so that we're fading that family out and making mm-hmm. sure that we're
0: not fading out too soon right so when they come to you, has that diagnosis already been made, or do you all also aid in Both. providing it?
3: um We have some individuals that come to us that are sort of looking for FSU CARD, which is, um uh, you know, another uh, great organization at Florida State University, and um, we may refer them out to CARD for some testing, um, whether that be in Tallahassee or locally. Um, but also, uh, sometimes they have already been diagnosed, and I know a lot of the pediatricians in the local area know about ECAP and, you know, they refer them down to us, and we have a lot of resources where if they need any kind of specialized um, psychological testing, mm-hmm. really just to check the box for insurance if they do have insurance. Mm-hmm. And so the needs of each family is a little different depending on whether or not they have insurance. Is the policy self-funded? It may not cover ABA. Mm-hmm. Um, fortunately, in the state of Florida, ABA um, is is a necessary, um, is medically necessary, and mm-hmm. is covered by most, most larger plans. Um, and if not you know, being who we are, we can try to help with the scholarship, even Mm -hmm. if it's
0: temporary, while we try to work on Mm -hmm. getting them uh, coverage.
1: Nice. Good resource. Yeah.
0: We, um, sometimes I feel like when someone maybe is new to a situation or a diagnosis, it can be very scary or, Mm -hmm. or moving into needing care or services. So could you walk us through, like, I'm a mom that just had a child diagnosed and I'm coming to your center for the first time. What can I expect? And are they, go- is there going to be a battery of tests first? Mm-hmm. Um, are we going to be in a playroom? Like what, what could I expect as just kind of a standard situation? You know, as a,
3: um, as a mom myself, I've tried to put myself and I have, um, uh, I had two, I have two daughters. One is uh, almost 13. And the other one just turned seven. And so, you know, as, as, as a mom, it, it my heart goes out to them. It's something I didn't understand prior to having children about mm-hmm. how much fear there is. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, you know, when my, my little ones were infants, you know, they're staring at the ceiling fan. And I started thinking, Oh, is this an early sign? You know, I'm prepared. And just as, I mean, I, and I knew in my head, I'm prepared for this. Mm-hmm. I know what to do mm-hmm. and it doesn't make it any less scarier. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I'll let Dakota talk a little bit about like what they can experience when they come in for an assessment Um, it's just, you know, they've won half the battle understanding that ABA is beneficial, Mm -hmm. um, and that it is very much something that they need to get early on. Mm -hmm. So I think half the battle is won once they finally get to us for an intake assessment. Um, but as a mom, you know, it's just, it's not the end of the road. Mm -hmm. It's really not. It's a, it's just, it's a different type of scenery. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's even prettier than what you probably (laughs) would have experienced. Mm -hmm. Dakota, you want to tell them a little bit about coming to ECAP? Yeah,
2: uh, the intake process. uh, We do intakes probably every spring and every fall um, right before. Um, We are primarily um, staffed by graduate students, and they graduate every May. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of we get short-staffed in the summer, then we get a bunch of staff in the the fall. So Mm -hmm. it kind of we fluctuate in terms of uh, staffing and ability to take on clients. Um, But intake uh, process, you'll come in, you'll have filled out an application, we'll contact you, you'll come in. We have two different sections. They're both going to be led by board-certified behavior analysts and then a bunch of graduate students who want experience hanging out with new kids, uh, developing an initial treatment plan. So for the parent portion, we're going to interview you guys. Uh, We're going to discuss any sort of behavior concerns you uh, you have. Don't think that we're going to judge your kid or anything like that. Whatever behavior concern you have, no matter how small, Uh, It's up to you to determine how how big of a a problem it is. Like, uh, we'll have some kids who engage in stereotypy in the terms of hand flapping and stuff like that. It's not our job to determine whether that's a behavior you want us to decrease or not. There's so many kids who I'm like, that's just their their outlet for experience, like having fun and stuff like that. Other times, it's to the point where parents can't get anything done because the kid is engaging in it to an extreme degree. Uh, like I said, it's up to parents to determine what we what you want us to work on. So um, we're not just going to come in and be like he's hand flapping. Let's make him uh, normal or uh, neurotypical or anything like that. That's not our goal in the slightest bit. So, like I said, whatever problems, whatever concerns you have, discuss them. Like so many parents, like hold off on any information until we start getting into therapy and uh, we we come across and be like, oh, we we want we want to work on this. Start thinking of an idea of kind of what. Uh, what concerns there are, we're not going to judge you. We've seen the battery of um, self-injurious behavior and aggression, uh, poop smearing, food vomiting, anything like that. We've seen mm-hmm. literally all of it, mm-hmm. and we have some sort of measure um, to assist you in some sort of capacity at the moment and then in the future. Um, so that'll be for the, the in, uh, for the parent portion. For the client portion. We have uh, one of the, uh, another BCBA take the kid back with a couple uh, RBTs and a couple graduate students. And they'll go through, we generally, uh, I do the VB MAP, which is the Verbal Behavior, verbal behavior Milestones Assessment and Placement Program. Mm-hmm. And then a couple other BCBAs do the ABLES, which is the Assessment of Basic Living and Learning Skills. And they're just a couple of uh, assessments to determine where you are corresponding to a kid of a similar age the goal of uh all these assessments is to make it as play as possible so you'll be in there and you'll be like hey well can you hand me the red fire truck uh i want to i want to roll it down the roll it down the uh, slide and they'll go and hand me the red fire truck and I'll roll it down the slide. I'm like, okay. So they know what the color red is mm-hmm. and they have the receptive, they can receptively hand me a fire. Tr- so they know, I also know what a fire truck is. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden I'm like, it's those things where I'm like, okay, so they got their colors. They know some items like, Hey, can you hand me the big ball? And they'll go hand me the big ball and I'll well, you know, throw the ball back and forth. But those things, mm-hmm. it's like an embedded teaching. And it's like, oh, yeah, you think you just played this entire time. And we at the very end of the day, we want that kid to want to come back, right. <laughs> come right. back to us, because right. they didn't know they they just learned that entire day, or really, we just kind of assessed where they were. But when we actually do run the therapy, it looks very, very similar to that. And um, sometimes older applied behavior analysis is very like at the table, like, Mm-hmm. I ask you a question you answer I give you a skittle that's a super big stereotype of behavior analysis mm-hmm. but more modern applied behavior analysis sometimes we have to do something similar to that not really the skittle thing that's that's a fun stereotype that I like to kind of debunk <laughs> every now and then but mm-hmm. sometimes you kind of do have to like break everything down and work on something super simple before you can generalize it but a lot of the time with a lot of our kids it is a lot more like you're out just hanging out in the li- uh not the living room the player <laughs> yeah. yeah you're hanging out yeah. in the playroom and. Uh, you did exactly what I said, where you're working on colors, size. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do a lot of um, feature function in class, which just means, hey, which one has the tails for, for, like, a feature function? Which one do you would you cut with? And you'll hand me the scissors and class. Hand me all the animals, those types of things. Mm-hmm. And those are a lot of things that, like I said, you don't realize that those are deficits until you um, run into them. But uh, after the client portion and the parent portion are completed, the BCBA and whoever assisted with the client portion – We'll uh get together, get some agreement. Look at the parents' answers versus what we saw with the kid, mm-hmm. and like the parents sometimes like he doesn't talk at all, and the client portion is like he was talking, he was chatting up a storm. I'm like, right. okay, well, we kind of create a treatment plan based off that. Like, why isn't the kid talking for the mom, or in reverse, it's like he's super. She chats it up at home all the time and didn't talk for us at all. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, well we call it a honeymoon period where he's just kind of shy around us and just Mm -hmm. doesn't know how to act yet. Or, uh, just doesn't want to embarrass himself or something like something along those lines. We just get some agreement in terms of, uh, what parents said, what we saw and write up a treatment plan based on those goals. Mm -hmm. And then the treatment is just ever evolving. Mm -hmm. So as we get to know the kid and the parents and stuff like that, we write more parent goals that are more tailored to the kid. We write more, uh, client goals that are more tailored to the client. Um, because ultimately no, no two cases are ever the same. Right. That's the cool thing. Maybe when cases start, they're very kind of skeleton-y, mm-hmm. very similar to other cases, but they branch off hard. Um, especially the longer the case is going, you really like what parents want to work on or what we see with the kid mm-hmm. where they're, um, doing great with, we really, uh, push into them, dive into the dive into their strengths. Mm-hmm. So
1: I can just imagine how, how um, challenging it can be sometimes the parents perception versus what you can actually do with with the child once once you get engaging and knowing and then when parents aren't fully disclosing and then you you have a case model or case conceptualization and then you're like oh this we gotta we gotta start over again because this this child is completely different than what what i thought so, yeah. so sometimes like, you
3: just don't they just don't think about what the, we yeah. need to know they yeah. don't know the yeah. what we're exactly looking for and um and so that's why it is um sort of a a back and forth relationship in terms mm-hmm. of our our assessment period. So
2: and that's why one of my favorite things to do with parents in the intakes, if you're if you are going to be a parent who goes in an intake and I'm running the intake, uh-huh. I don't ask a lot of direct questions. I ask like, all right, so um, nighttime, tell me the routine mm-hmm. and whatever it is, and they'll go through the routine and stuff like that, uh, and they be like, oh yeah, he doesn't go to bed till like eleven o'clock at night. If I were to just straight up ask the time when they go to, when he goes to bed, they might be like, ah. Eh, Late nine ish, maybe, yeah. but when they actually go through the story and stuff like that, when they actually tell me a story, I'm like, okay, well, there's some of the behavior that I see. Like, uh, there's this uh, one time a kid was engaging in a lot of uh, um, well, he was potty trained, but he wasn't number two potty trained, Like, he, he was still defecating, um, outside though. Mm-hmm. But uh, we had mom tell us the story every single day of when it would happen and based on the data we like marked it out every single for like an entire week it happened mm-hmm. and we saw a specific time when it happened it was always within 30 minutes of finishing so therapy you're
1: almost like detectives so yeah. almost we are idea.
2: behavioral yeah. detectives yeah, which is uh, cool yeah, yeah. um and based on where it was we kind of have mom we hey be super vigilant from like this in this 30 minute block follow them mm-hmm. around like be like be kind of annoying mm-hmm. um in in this little moment 30 minutes just Follow them around like hard, like white on rice. And uh, sh- uh, she saw them go to bend down, move them mm-hmm. right to the toilet. Mm-hmm. And, uh, once you get that kind of chain going, it, it works really well. Now the kid's fully, fully potty trained and stuff Wonderful. like that. But, yeah, it is cool when you think about it like that. We are 100% behavioral detectives trying mm-hmm. to figure out what in the environment is causing yeah. uh, that little behavior.
3: So That's a good way to put it. I mean, because in addition to treating um, the families here in Bay County and the surrounding area, we're also a training site for mm-hmm the master's program here, Mm -hmm. you know, the master's program uh, that's based in FSUPC has been number one in the world, like three out of the last, I don't know, know seven, eight years. We're usually always in the top 10, if not the top five. And so um, we do have a world-class training facility at ECAP. And Mm so, you know, it's funny you call us behavioral detectives because we're also sort of investigating what skills that the therapists are lacking as they bridge from, you know, a direct line therapist to mm-hmm. one day becoming a full-on clinician.
0: Mm. So That's interesting. That's where we are so fortunate to have yeah, such a facility here. Absolutely. In the panhandle. So I hear like the goal very often is just making like the everyday family life that the communication improves, behaviors improve, and so how do you measure that sort of thing? Is it, it you're talking to the parents, I guess, like you said with the, the little boy and the pooping but um, you just measure it per child, like what improvements they're seeing
2: Yeah, um, on a
0: month-to-month or week-to-week.
2: So ECAP, I, I worked at Tallahassee in the schools, and we did it a little differently there based on uh, teacher report. Mm-hmm. You can't have them take data constantly teachers kind of revolt sometimes which reasonably oh reasonably i mean they have an entire classroom there i mean i'm like hey take data on this kid it's it's a lot i understand uh at ecap so we take data on a different thing so we figure out what exactly parents want us to work on Mm -hmm. um if parents just come and he tantrums okay well what does that look like we want to know exactly the the topography what exactly does it look like um, or like, uh, hand biting, hand biting can look like a lot of things. Are they biting their nails? Do you count that as hand biting? Mm-hmm. They're biting their, uh, their palm. Does that kind of hand biting? We get an actual definition for what it is. Um, and then we, we choose a measurement category. So whether that's duration. So how long did he hand bite uh, frequency? How many times did he hand bite mm-hmm. rate? If the sessions aren't all the same, how many times did he hand bite per hour? Those types of things are per minute, depending on what you kind of want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and based off that we graph it. At ECAP, we graph it every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, so the therapist is constantly tracking the kid's behavior, whether that's crying. Uh, some of our fa- my, uh, some of our crying definitions, uh, crying that lasts longer than, like tears coming down their face, and uh, allow. I mean, like I said, I'm just kind of spitball in here, but uh, uh, tears coming down their face, uh, high-pitched whine lasting longer than three seconds. That would be like a definition for whining. Mm -hmm. You uh, track how many times that occurred per day, and you Mm -hmm. show it visually to parents whenever they want to see it. Um, At ECAP, we do uh, monthly reports, which are like mini progress reports that we send to the insurance company, Mm -hmm. but we do it for parents only, Mm -hmm. and uh, we show parents the graphic progress monthly um, to see where the behavior is, especially in the clinic parents we go over parent trainings to teach them exactly how to take data mm-hmm. it's not really as intensive for parents a lot of the time we ask parents to just do a, a nice little scatter plot which just means uh do like a t- 30 minute block did the kid engage in the behavior you're thinking about during this 30 minute block you would put an x in it mm-hmm. it, get, it, it makes parents it makes it so that parents don't have to constantly watch the kid they just 30 minutes uh, Did it, uh, he engaged in it right and nine o'clock to 9 30 put an x right there mm-hmm. something like that and at the end of the day you percent of Uh, intervals engaging the behavior you would do um right there but it allows you kind of track the behavior um to show that say that you're actually uh reducing it uh there's so many times parents are like he's engaging in this behavior so much and then i have them take data on it it was only like i don't know twice Mm -hmm. for the entire day but those two those two times are probably pretty intense right right. uh it just makes it just feels like a lot it's like car commercials did you guys know car commercials are only air at the end of the month so, so
1: they need to sell those cars. Yeah, but, yeah, but, but it, it, it seems like they're they out don't, on but they stuff. don't, yeah, they don't
2: air them any other time except for the end of the month. Hi. Fun fact, uh, not too much, but the air i like constantly during the end of the month. So Hi. it feels like it's a lot more than what it is. That's how some of the behaviors kind of are with the kids where mm-hmm. it's like, it's occurring so much right now. Right. It's only, only occurring twice, but it's occurring pretty high like intensities during that time, whether sure. it, that's the crying lasted 20 minutes or something like that, but mm-hmm. it was just that 20 minutes, but it was insane for that 20 minutes.
1: But I think also recognizing that, that behavior is causing that stress in that family's life. You have to get down into it and develop that relationship with the family
2: for sure. Yeah, and uh, we create an intervention in the clinic. If it works, fantastic, we'll, tra- we'll train parents on it. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't, we're uh, we'll work with the parents and create another intervention that works. The goal is to not have the behavior reduced in the clinic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I don't like. I always joke with parents. I'm like, I don't care if it reduces here. That's I'm perfectly happy if he's not engaging in behavior here. My whole goal is to get behavior reduced in the home or the Mm -hmm. environments that actually matter, whether that's the school and the community or at home in general, Mm -hmm. that's where I care about the behaviors reducing. So whether the behavior is reducing in the clinic, that's great. Uh, I'm really, really happy it reduced there, but let's get it reduced in the home. And in, If it's not reducing the home and the behavior plan is the exact same, what is the barrier Mm -hmm. that there is? And that's where I'll take more like the subjective kind of um, anecdotal data to try to figure out what like why is this not working? Um, I know Nikki always uh, tells about this time that she the kid wasn't sleeping very well Mm -hmm. and uh, she actually stayed the night at the kid's house to figure out what exactly was the reason this kid was not sleeping. Um, And they figured that out, all that situation. But it required like an overnight stay. So we're 100% down to figure out what exactly is the problem. Because especially when a behavior plan works in the clinic, but it's not working at home, there is some barrier there that we're not 100% positive on. But uh, 100% open to just we're going to work with you until we find a plan that works. There are so many articles in the journal of applied behavior analysis and so many other research articles Mm -hmm. that have worked with other kids. We're going to find one that works with you Mm -hmm. and uh, we'll keep, just have the program in. We give it like two to three weeks to see if it's even effective with it. Mm -hmm. And then if it's not, we'll go to another one or figure out what exactly is the reason for that one not working. And if it is, if it does work, we'll continue with it, train parents on it and then uh, hopefully reduces in all environments. But like you said, Unless the behavior reduces in the home, it's mm-hmm. not really an effective behavior yeah. plan, mm-hmm. and that's our ultimate goal is just reduce it in the significant environments.
0: Well, gosh, you guys are all in then. Sounds like if anyone needs Nikki for an overnight to wash the hands. <laughs> that was a long time ago when I was in grad school. I'm not sure what the, says, the,
3: I perc- don't do that the procedures or protocols would be for, uh, for doing that today, but there was also a lot of uh, Mountain Dew consumed that oh. night. I don't even know if there was an energy drink available oh, back no. then. Or electricity. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> oh but, yeah, it At was something mountain, that, definitely. you know, the parents were having trouble, her staying in um, her area mm-hmm. and staying in her bed. So mm-hmm. um, it was just kind of a neat thing to do in, in graduate school. And we actually had some. Sh- uh, we actually had shifts, so mm-hmm. uh, we did it for a couple of nights. And it was pretty successful. And, you know, so then the parents were able to get a good night's sleep. The child's able to get a good night's sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, nowadays we'd probably do a, a more extensive parent training on it and mm-hmm. sort of problem solve for them, investigate what's going on. Mm-hmm. But uh it's pretty it's pretty fun doing what yeah. we do,
1: yeah, it sounds like yeah <laughs>
3: we're we're fine being frustrated, we're fine being irritated, but you know it's like we tell our parents i co- and as a as a mom myself, I completely understand it's a it's like a session that doesn't end, right, so I know yeah. that you know once they leave the clinic, they still have mm-hmm. you know th- to be consistent and follow through, and mm-hmm. so I know it's tough
0: mm-hmm. um are there other resources that you all can recommend that you use or you could suggest for parents if they're
3: you know I think the best resource is just to do your due diligence online. Um, There's a lot of things that claim to um, aid autism or to alleviate some of the what they call the symptoms of such. Um, And so just looking online, um, uh, the Association for the Science and Treatment in Autism, um, and that may not be the correct, (laughs) the full title of that uh, organization, but they do a really great job of... um, sort of listing what is, you know, evidence-based, what needs more evidence, what has been confirmed not to be helpful. And, you know, I've seen a lot of families spend almost a life savings or a nest egg mm-hmm. on therapies that just aren't, they're not evidence-based. Mm-hmm. Um, they may help in um, one area mm-hmm. of for a different problem for a different individual um, but they may not be evidence-based when it comes to a child with autism. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that is one of the things to just be mindful of It's just to do a little bit of research, and we're happy. Um, we do have a lot of resources at our Parent Resource Center. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest resources, though, is just being able to come in and talk to one of us mm-hmm. um, and, you know, just have a conversation. And if we've, I mean, there have been times where we've done an intake and we just didn't feel like we were going to make you know, a big difference in terms of therapy and we were mm-hmm. able to do a couple of parent trainings and go ahead and then move on. Um, the problem wasn't as, as big as we thought it was and so you know it's nice to be at ECAP. You have the non-profit mm-hmm. um, foundation um, that we work off of under the FSU foundation mm-hmm. and so you know whereas we may have four or five graduate students assisting on a, a special project like that um, you might not found that at a for-profit clinic mm-hmm. you know who obviously is like every other business, especially in our area, they're struggling with, you know, COVID and, mm-hmm. and things like that.
1: Mm-hmm. I think in listening to what you both talking about, um, the importance of getting um, answers or, you know, starting those conversations in spite of what you're afraid might the end result be. But just being brave enough to, to realize that it's in the child's best interest to, mm-hmm. to come in and, and seek assistance or help. Yeah.
0: And so how do we touched on this a little bit? How do children get referred to you do they sometimes just come in off the street and they give you a call the parents or pediatricians send them your way uh, kind of all of the above we've had parents walk in Mm -hmm. um that's the reason that
3: we have to go packets ready in our parent resource center if Mm -hmm. they just want to grab some um you know just sort of core information like Mm -hmm. what do you do when you get the diagnosis what do you do if you need the diagnosis starting out with your pediatrician is the way to go um and You know, some pediatricians may know about ECAP. Some, some may not. I mean, I meet people every day that have no idea. Um, Even there's some, you know, undergraduates that don't know that there is a clinic on campus. Mm -hmm. Um, We kind of like to spin that positively, that we're the hidden gem of Bay County, Mm -hmm. Um, which there's a lot of those. Um, But, again, and then sometimes we have physicians that refer us. I mean, they always refer straight to us. Um, The um, 325th Medical Group out at Tyndall, Mm -hmm. we have a working relationship with them. We've even heard there are some military families that, that request to come to this area. Mm-hmm. Now, that was more so prior to Hurricane Michael. But, you know, in terms of having the Navy and the Mil- and the Air Force Base here, um, we're happy to serve the military families as well. Mm-hmm. So that's it's, great. it's a variety of, of ways that they come to us, a word mm-hmm. of mouth being one. Um, you know, just trying to put ourselves out there in Bay County as well. Like, we do a lot of community trainings, um, and they're done for free. There's nothing that we... Um, you know, we're not paid to do them. I've trained the Bay County fire firefighters. Um, uh, we've trained uh, Shipwreck Island's uh, lifeguards nice. and how to interact with um, someone with autism. And so mm-hmm. we try to be that community resource.
0: I love that. That's great. Well, we're really thankful to have you guys. If we had one takeaway, let's say that there's a parent and they have a little one and they're not sure there's an issue, there might be an issue, they kind of have that nagging feeling that we get sometimes. Yep. What would you suggest... Their next step be? If there's someone listening right now that says, Oh, you know, I'm a little yeah. nervous about my child, um, don't wait. Um, even if you
3: never see us again, never have services, always come in. Um, give us a call. Our number is 850 770 2241. And even if, you know, we're not in the office and we're in the clinic, you can leave a message and we'll return your call. So, you know, um, we can come in, you can have a conversation. And we can, you know, try to look at the core uh, symptoms of autism in terms of like what a medical, uh, a more mainstream medical entity would look at in mm-hmm. terms of the social or the communication um, deficits and tell you, you know, sort of what, what, we, what I would say as a mom to my pediatrician or mm-hmm. to, you know, um, a, a special provider that maybe the pediatrician will refer them to. Yeah. Don't wait it doesn't Don't hurt wait. to have a conversation no.
0: even though sometimes it is
3: nervous thinking it about is. That conversation. Yeah. yeah we're pretty fun though better than so. to know and begin work <laughs> right
0: yeah you do seem like a lot of fun so <laughs> yeah we're like a
2: family there at ECap. so yeah. we're we all help each other out
0: oh well we're so fortunate as a community to have your your resource there and we're so thankful for that so thank you so much for being here with us today and sharing your important work here in bay county we appreciate how you are supporting our children and our families. And thank you to Susan for co-hosting today. My pleasure. You, Susan. Come back anytime. Thank you. Uh, the Early Learning Coalition is a great partner of ABC, and we're glad you could join us today. For, four, for more information about today's episode and other resources, visit our website, www.howyoudoin.org or visit the ABC Facebook page. Thank you for listening today. After everything our community has been through, it's so important for us to check on each other. We encourage you to take the time each day to really ask your friends and neighbors, how you doing? How You doing, in Bay County is meant for informational purposes only and should not be substituted for mental health care from a licensed professional. And last but not least, this podcast is produced by the talented students in the digital media program at Gulf Coast State College. Go Commodores!